Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life, with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. today and every day for that matter <laughs> anyway welcome to the show everybody um uh, if you are just joining us for the very first time welcome 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 super excited to have you guys here um the whole intention behind the show is to actually provide helpful information as to what's going on in the world of hr and the how to go about resolving it if it's coming across up in your world not to mention it's also really good information to have when you need to pull that little rabbit right out of your hat and if you guys are coming back time and time again, um, thank you so much. You guys absolutely rock. I am always excited to have you guys around and just thrilled that um, you guys continue to join over and over and over again. And you know what? It's just awesome to build this community with you guys. So I am here to basically help you uh, help share with you the what and the how in human resources. I am in the human resource business. I'm actually in the human business. And that means there's a greater number of dynamics in the workplace to find balance and how to figure out what needs to be managed and when it needs to manage and all that good stuff. Uh, but most importantly, today we are going to be talking about employment law changes across the nation. Don't really have too many things to talk about, which is kind of strange if you think about it because we're right about ready to launch into a whole new year. But rest assured, I can guarantee you, you won't be disappointed if you are looking forward to getting all of those updates <laughs> and having to adjust your practices and having to figure out how do you solve this puzzle because uh, we still have uh, several more weeks in the, in the rest of the month to be able to, to make sure that we meet that expectation of yours. Um, we're also going to be talking about five easy cost saving compliance wins for 2020 and i mean seriously say cost saving compliance wins all right nobody likes to do compliance well that's not true there's some people that really do like to do compliance and uh other people are just more about the people and that's fine but you know what nonetheless the compliance things can also bite you in the proverbial wallet just as much as the people things do too um, got a great HR question of the day, and then I'm going to share with you how you can get best practice. To, uh, oh my gosh, wow. Already starting it right off, tripping over my tongue at the very beginning of the show, how you can get best practices delivered directly to your inbox. Uh, before I begin though, folks, just want to make sure that you guys understand that the information available through this podcast is actually for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing any form of legal guidance. If you need some, you should contact your attorney to obtain that kind of advice with respect to any particular issue. If you do not have an employment attorney, feel free, reach out to me and I may be able to refer one to you through our affiliates program uh, to our friends over in Jackson Lewis. 
Okay, so enough of that. All right, let's talk about what is going across the nation. So, something that to put on your radar, um, it has popped up. Uh, now, let me stop and preface this. There is always confusion around um, internships. Should I have a paid internship? Should I have a not paid internship? All right, that's not what we're going to talk about. But <clears throat> there has been a release of information that is out there. Um, that unpaid interns, there's advocacy starting to go into place for what's called non-employee unpaid interns. And that advocacy is that it, that they are currently not protected uh, by the National Labor Relations Act. So um, if you are considering an internship, now this may change, but I just want to let you know that there's some information out there if you are considering it and you've or you've got unpaid interns and you have paid interns, bottom line, make sure you take the time to go in and look to determine whether your paid interns or non-paid interns are actually protected under National Labor Relations Act, NLRA. Why? Whole nother podcast. We may do that at some point in time in the future. Okay, um, OSHA has released its fall semi-annual regulatory agenda. So for those of you who are heavily involved in the safety aspect as um, on the side of HR, make sure that you understand what is uh, in the forecast for OSHA, mid-year forecast for OSHA. Also, uh, McDonald's, this is kind of a big deal. McDonald's um, will is actually being required to pay $26 million to settle California wage theft claims. So if you're in California, make sure <laughs> that you guys are understanding what is going on around wage theft and wage theft claims. Uh, the California Supreme Court has also decided, um, the, excuse me, they haven't decided, they are preparing to decide the Dy Dynamex retroactivity case that's currently out there. Um, this, is this is specific to, co to California. Um, already, it's. I know it's been in the news. I, this is something that I keep coming up, but uh, the California Supreme Court is actually preparing to decide. So stay tuned for that announcement because when it hits, it's going to be like all over the place. So just want to make sure that you guys have that on your radar. Over in California, excuse me, Colorado, um, there are going to be significant revisions coming to Colorado's wage and hourly and hour laws. So. Um, be on the lookout for that if you guys are over there in, in that particular state. Um, not sure what they are just yet. I haven't really dug into it, but uh, definitely make sure that you are checking into it. Um, also, <clears throat> a judge has issued a temporary injunction blocking the implementation of the San Antonio Sick and Safety Leave Law. Now, we've mentioned this before, but just wanted to put this out there because we had said it so many times in prior podcasts that it was coming, and now that the injunction is in place and it's not happening, just want to make sure that everybody knows if you're listening from San Antonio, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it, all right? It's it's not valid anymore. So, and if you if you have questions about that, all you need to do is just reach out to me, and we'll be happy to go ahead and get you connected with the right information. Also, in Virginia, my state, uh, Virginia has uh, actually implemented a task force, which releases recommendations to address worker misclassification. And you know what? We're gonna actually talk about that today in great detail not for Virginia but and federally and across the across the country so stay tuned for that one and then also over in Seattle last last one is is that Seattle has now created minimum wage for gig economy drivers so it's happening now why do we pay attention to gig economy well 
because it's a changing it's a changing thing um, there's a lot of push out there to have gig workers covered as actual viable W-2 employees of particular companies that employ gig workers rather than having them as contracted employees and 1099 employees. It's a big to do on the Hill. So <clears throat> just by seeing that and watching what the states are starting to do, who knows? It's anybody's game. Right, so we are going to do a countdown of the top five easy cost-saving wins for HR professionals and companies going into 2020. Now, these are very easy tasks that will help mitigate risks of really building some excessive cost for your company and help you stay compliant. All right, so it's a balance of the two, cost savings and compliant. Very nice little beautiful combination there. It's kind of like a set it and forget it kind of a thing. So it allows you to actually focus on some other important things. And the reason why we're sharing this is because we all know it and feel it. Everything in HR is important. But the challenge is, how do we get to it all and what's the priority? So if you start on these five, these five things, right, you are really going to put yourself and catapult yourself so far ahead into 2020. It's literally going to help you get that peace of mind that we all have. Because let's face it, anybody that's in HR, we know what happens like when we see something that we know that needs to be done or should be done or something new that comes out, it rides our call to action button like really, really hard. <laughs> and all of a sudden we're like, oh my gosh, how are we going to do this? And I remember, just to kind of give you an example, years ago um, in the prior administration, a friend of mine and I, we worked together and we went to a government contracting symposium. And I go to this thing every year and, and, and I absolutely love it. But um, there were about 12 executive orders and a combination of executive orders and other divisional orders from like, OFCCP, Department of Labor that were coming out that literally after eight hours of sitting at this conference we looked at each other and we're like how are we going to get all of this done and it was an absolute I mean we just like we literally left feeling like we needed a drink it was that bad so um so look get these things done these will therefore get out of your way and you'll be able to rest a little bit easily for the next year. But you know what? Also tackle them again at the at the end of every year and at the beginning of, you know, to get ready for either the next year. So I'm going to stop rambling and we're going to do this, but we're going to kind of do this a little old school Letterman style. So we're going to go backwards. All right. So we're going to start off tip number five. All right. Know what's required through the year. That is key right there. And I've got a great way to help you to do that. Um, go on to the bestpractices.org website and download the free current HR calendar. All right. And start looking at what's required of you going into next year. Now, we're going to have the new cal calendar up in the next few weeks. We just got a couple of dates that we need to just verify and get together. But at least you can take a look at the current year calendar and figure out what's going on. Now this is absolutely 100% free, okay? You don't have to worry about paying for it. It's my gift to you guys. Seriously, use it, hang it up, write all over it, do what you need to do. But there's also going to be there's going to be a lot of really good information there for you that will help you figure out when to get stuff done. 
absolutely critical. Okay, so know what you need to do and know when you need to do it. And this HR calendar will absolutely help you do that. Okay, all right, tip number four. Very simple. Update your employment posters. All right, this is the easiest, easiest compliance win out there. Okay, it is also one of the most cost effective wins as a result of that. All right. Posters are designed to provide information to your employees on what their workplace rights are and where they need to go if they have a problem. You're going to need to make sure that you have both the federal and the state specific posters displayed. Now I've gotten to a really bad habit, <laughs> a really bad habit, that when I go into a business I automatically look to see what posters they have up and if I don't see both of the posters or I look to see what the expiration date is, <laughs> I actually tell them about it. It's horrible. So, and I'm only specific to talk about like when I'm at meetings or networking events or something like that. So <laughs> it's, I'm really bad about it, actually. Um, but you know what? When I mention it to employers, they love it. They're like, oh, God, thank you so much. And then I tell them what, where they can go, okay? N not like where they can go, go, but I mean where they can go to get new posters. <laughs> All right. If you're a federal contractor, you're going to also need the federal contracting poster as well. And then also remember, some counties and cities actually may require their poster if they have one also. So like we've talked about some of these little things that take place in California that make a big splash. Um, it is very likely that they have incorporated in posters, um, you know, the smaller cities, their ordinances and things like that, right? Now, the likelihood of you receiving a fine for not having a poster is about next to dang, dang near none. All right, It's very minimal that that chance is actually going to happen. However, if you f should find yourself being audited by the Department of Labor, which will happen and could happen, all right, that is a higher probability than somebody coming in just to check and see if you have your posters up other than me. <laughs> all right, they actually going to look for your posters to see if you are actually a compliant abiding employer. Now that goes into the overall image of that they have of how an employer operates when they come in to address particular issues or conduct an audit. <clears throat> right? Now I can I can tell you I can absolutely tell you with certainty the customers and the clients that I've had over the years who have experienced a Department of Labor audit that is the very first thing I tell them to do get your posters up make sure that they are compliant and make sure it happens before they set foot on this announced audit and I guarantee you every single time they've come in the one of the first couple of things that happens in the first hour they look for the posters and every single client has said holy cow I'm so glad you told me you did that because that helps set the tone and and then I'm gonna digress just a little bit but look auditors come in and they're loaded for bear alright they really are not because they're there to try and prove you guys wrong but what they are so used to is being lied to so when they come in their defenses are full-on up but when they see over their course of engagement with the company that they're auditing when they see that an employer is actually making an attempt to do the right thing those defenses begin to lower and then when they really see that a, a, an employer is doing the right thing man they they are almost non-existent to the point where they will actually start helping you figure out what you're doing wrong doesn't mean you won't walk away with a slap on the wrist but they will actually start helping you okay posters are a really great way to break that ice if you actually 
are going to go ahead and get audited. All right. But you may be asking, you know, like, okay, well, we've got a remote workforce and we've got people that are working, you know, in other states. What do we do? Okay. So if you have a company that operates in multiple states and you have offices in multiple states, you only need to post the federal and that state specific poster unless you're a government contractor and then you also need to have the federal contractor right so it's your magic trio however if you have a remote workforce and they don't have a designated office that they report to this is a practice from a long time ago that we engaged in my advice <clears throat> okay and it it absolutely will not hurt but just obtain the PDF copies of the required posters and then host them on your employee accessible site, like somewhere in your uh, HCM employee self-service portal. Okay, very simple to do. It's all you need to do, and and make sure that well, and then make sure that your employees know that they are there. Okay. Now to find out what posters are required so far, jump back to episode 37, the episode prior to this one. Okay, and listen, and you'll be able to get the complete list. And I'm also going to tell you exactly where to go to go ahead and get your employment posters. Which, incidentally, if you go to the bestpractices.org website under the affiliates page, you'll see Employee Law Compliance Center. You can click them on. There's a code where you can actually get a discount as well. Little teaser, but definitely go back to the last episode and listen to uh, the poster updates in the first segment of the show. And while you're at it, you might as well stick around and listen to the rest of the show too. All right, so that's tip number four. Okay, update your employment posters. Tip number three, ensure your employees' information in your HCM and payroll databases are correct. All right, there is a great deal of unrealized labor dollars that go into fixing employee issues or issues around employee information. So Another thing that will cost you money is W-2 reissues. So if your employee's information is wrong in the payroll system and they have not updated, they moved, all right? And then you send out your W-2s. Their W-2s aren't going to get forwarded. They actually get returned to the employer. Or they may even not even show up at all, all right? More than likely they get returned to the employer because the U.S. Post Office cannot forward a W-2 to a forwarding address. So if it gets lost, a W-2 reprint costs money, right? So unless you have it already in a PDF format, a W-2 reprint, a formal reprint, costs money with every reprint. And it can be anywhere between like $25 to $35, $50, depending on where you have your W-2s compiled, right? Also, a great deal of money goes into having to deal with missing notices all right notices let's say for example your benefits provider puts stuff out there and then somebody says well I was counting on this and I didn't get it and then you have to go in and do the research okay all because their addresses were not up to date right so my recommendation is set up an annual initiative to have your employees review their information and make updates and most importantly figure out a way to get confirmation from your employees when it's done now, if you've got a smaller company, then just have them send you an email to make sure that it's done. And if they haven't done it, then follow up with them. All right. In my experience, when you launch any kind of HR initiative, it could be training, address checks, you know, whatever. Okay. Here's how your workforce is going to typically respond. You're going to have about 10% of people that are going to immediately jump in and do what's told way ahead of the due date. I fall into that category, quite frankly, because I don't want to be on anybody's naughty list. <laughs> 
and then also I got stuff to do this is an easy thing for me to just knock out in between my big stuff so when I was an employee that is exactly what I did I just got went in got it done got it taken care of I don't have to deal with it anything else beyond that right 50% of your employees are going to need a reminder with an, a reinforced due date okay there's a lot of stuff going on everybody's got their brains all over the place and you know what some people are just going to a good chunk of people are just going to need a reminder to get it done 20% are going to need some form of a follow-up and a second reminder and a reinforced due date. Okay, now you're getting into the back end of it. All right, and then 20% <clears throat> you'll also need to chase down and get them to do it before the due date. So my math is correct. <laughs> Those that last 20% are also going to be likely to miss the due date even with the constant reminding so make sure you're prepared for it and if you've done these things enough you're gonna know who your folks are who are your worst when it comes to details administration of administration stuff administrative stuff okay you're gonna know who is bad at paperwork you're gonna know who you have to chase down because they just keep popping up alright so just just prepare for that alright okay so tip number two now this is a big one Alright, this literally is one of the second best cost saving things you could do. It's a little labor intensive, but once you get it down and you fix it and you get it right, it goes so much better. Okay, and that is audit your I-9 forms and get them right. Alright, with the increased attention that is being paid on undocumented workers, companies cannot afford to make mistakes in this area, and I mean like literally. All right. There is a brand new fine structure for penalties being assessed that took place April 5th. So anything after April 5th now has more stringent penalties attached to it. Okay. And that was an increase that took place here in 2019. So there is a new fine structure and it is painful. All right. Anything that was assessed April April 5th, 2019, where the associated violation occurred after November 2nd in 2015. <laughs> so that means that they're going back. They're going back four years to look at mistakes. So here is the new range. Are you ready for this? And seriously, you're going to need to sit down because it's very painful. When I first started doing this, substantive or uncorrected technical violations, meaning like you haven't finished the form, um, stuff is in the wrong spot, things are missing, dates, signatures, okay, used to be $110 per form per incident. For 2019, it has increased to $230. Now, that is the maximum fine per individual and it, it went up. It actually went up from prior uh, 2000, early 2019. It used to be $224. Now it's $230 per technical violation. Okay, the maximum fine per individual increased from $2,200 from $2,236 if you really want to get technical to $2,292 per individual. All right, so that's painful. The second category is knowing the knowingly hiring or continuing to employ individuals that are not documented. All right. So the first offense now ranges from $573 to $4,586 at a maximum. 
The second offense ranges from $4,586 to $11,463. And the third offense, or more, has increased to six hundred eighty-seven. Excuse me, $6,878 to $22,927 in subsequent fines and penalties. So, look, if you're doing your 99s, all right, that means that you are doing everything possible to make sure that you are ensuring that your employees are authorized to work in the United States and it is your way of showing your due diligence. Now, they don't expect you to be you know masters of understanding any you know what a you know false document looks like unless it's written in crayon right they don't expect that they just need you to do this in good faith right if somebody's lying here's the cool part the burden of the evidence falls on the employee to demonstrate that they are authorized to work in the United States so it is your responsibility as an employer just to make sure that the I-9 is done it's done correctly and it's done within the time period that it's supposed to now don't stand up just yet. Right? There's more to this. Offenses, as we've seen and we've talked about, can also include criminal charges as well as prosecution. Right? The worst thing that can happen out of all this, I mean, all of this is bad to begin with, all right? and it's on a progressive uphill swing as to bad. Right? Not doing I-9s bad. Uh, doing I-9s partially and having multiple offenses if you've got people that are knowingly in the workplace, bad, bad. All right? Um, here's the bad, bad, bad. You're also going to face a great deal of negative public and professional uh, scrutiny, okay? And you will risk closure to your business. It, it, here's the thing. Companies, you guys are responsible. Your number one priority is to make sure that you keep your doors open so that way you can do payroll. That is your number one responsibility as an employer is to ensure payroll can be met. This is one great way. If you screw this up, like ragingly screw this up, in all of these ways that we just talked about, this is going to financially be a drain. In addition to that, you're going to be under the spotlight of ICE and USCIS, and you're going to wind up seeing your name in the newspaper. Okay, don't even go there. So these are really great tips and tools to get yourself in a position to where you're not going to run into the, you know, the mess of dealing with undocumented workers and just not even simply having your paperwork together. Okay. Here is the number one tip. Review your employee classifications and address misclassified employees. And we're going to talk heavily about this. All right? What exactly does that mean? Class, misclassified employees include W-2 versus 1099 employees. Also includes non-exempt and exempt. Okay? If the IRS determines that you or your company has misclassified employees incorrectly as contractors. Employers are subject to paying back taxes up to about 41.5% of the contractor's wages and the IRS is going to go back about three years. Okay, They have the authority to look at the last three years and it will be painful. I promise you it will be very very painful. If the IRS believes you have intentionally misclassified employees, they may seek a criminal conviction with up to one year in jail and penalties for companies as high as $500,000. It's a very painful process to go through something like this, okay? 
you are going to be if you if you get branded like this right if this happens to you you are going to wear the sash and crown of a tax evader okay contractors there's actually a ripple effect that will impact con people who have been classified as contractors inappropriately okay they may also face an audit because of what you've done all right and could be forced to pay back any business deductions they took in that time period all right so n now you've got the sash and crown as a tax evader you're bleeding money out the nose now you're in your decision to do this incorrectly has now unfortunately required somebody else to pay a very serious price as well okay so here are the most common misclassification mistakes a company can make okay so first and they're not in any particular order <clears throat> you have not paid a quote-unquote employee correctly alright you even may have missed paying them overtime you have not recorded work time correctly you have not filed the appropriate federal and state tax forms you have made appropriate contributions to retirement plans you may not have complied with the American with Disabilities Act you may not have provided them with the appropriate protections under either OSHA or the National Labor Relations Act you may not have been paying attention to the appropriate workers comp premiums and you may not have given them the appropriate benefit notices and statements that are they are required to have now those are the most common mistakes and that in and of itself is like a whole show okay <clears throat> this is just to help you put some triggers on top now I will tell you right now I've been doing this a long time and the most common thing I hear is app ah, we're too small of a company well I got news for you this is where small companies become the biggest targets and the reason why is it's because of that very mindset <clears throat> that leads to the greatest impact and will literally paralyze or even close a company down because of all that hard-earned cash has now gone to pay attorneys fees and penalties leaving your ability to grow your company with a zero possibility that is a horrible place to be in and I promise you I hear that thing it's like oh we're too small they're never gonna see us well you know what all as it takes is that <laughs> if you've got a person that believes that they are entitled to overtime and you have not paid them correctly all they need to do call the Department of Labor and the Department of Labor has you on their radar okay I have said this so many times that small companies are a big target and this is one of the reasons why alright they also feel the greatest impact because small companies do not have deep pockets they have very shallow pockets sometimes they even pull stuff out and there's lint right and anybody who owns a small business knows exactly what I'm talking about get this right because if you don't it will absolutely be one of the most painful things that you go through and all of all of your hard work everything that you've put in your sweat labor your sweat equity building clients marketing branding right everything hiring your first employee your first dollar bill holding up on your wall very proud of the, all of those moments right gone okay you don't want to be in that position so those are the things that you can do coming into the new year that are going to get you <clears throat> compliant and they're also going to be those easy oh my gosh easy cost saving things it just it won't come out man i'm telling you just that's, that's important just get it out right easy cost saving things and wins for 2020
So today I'm, I got a couple shout outs for some individuals. Um, C. White Westy on Instagram, thank you so much for your comments on episode 37. And I'm really happy to hear uh, that you liked that last podcast. Thank you very much. And then Tony also on Instagram, glad to hear that you're looking forward to the latest podcast on episode 37. Hope you got a chance to listen to it. Um, it was great having uh, Eddie Penny, who's a retired U.S. SEAL, uh, come aboard and talk to us about the things that he was talking about. So thank you so much. Um, folks, I want to hear your questions. Um, I get really great HR questions all the time. And you can submit your questions on the bestpractices.org website by clicking on the podcast link from the menu. Down towards the bottom of the podcast page, you're going to see that submission form down there. That's where you can post your question. And I may be able to read it on an upcoming episode. So today's question, though, um, I thought was really kind of interesting because I have felt like this. And I it, it really resonated with me when I saw it. Um, and I, I spent some time really thinking about this and y you know what, I can't be the, I, clearly this shows that I'm not the only one that used to feel this way. So, um, I definitely want to call this one out. So today's question is really from the employee standpoint. And I think it's important that we keep these things in mind for a couple of reasons. Number one, our employees are thinking and feeling this. We may be thinking and feeling about this. And as an employer leader, we may not be thinking like this, okay? But it's very clear that it's out there. And so the question is, why do I feel like I could be fired at any moment, although my company loves my work? So there's a couple of things that come into play on this one. The From my own personal experience, all right, for me, some of this was a self-confidence thing. But it was a self-confidence thing that was triggered by the actions of other people and maybe not necessarily always my boss but some of my co-workers so I worked and I'll tell you exactly where this happened so I worked in a environment where I didn't really get a lot of support doing what it was that I was doing I was also kind of the odd man out when it came to the group dynamic because when I came in so many people had these expectations of me that were unrealistic because I I came from an ex what do I want to say I came from the field in retail and went to um, a regional corporate office right and so those are two very different cultures even though overarching the culture as a whole has its own culture but look when you work in the behind the scenes piece of what a corporate office does and then you're out in the field doing what a field job does those are two different cultures right problem solving not so much the different but how you go about who you incorporate and what the process is is very different and so I had several years of being in the field and then I go work in the corporate office and I, I was everything was new to me and I had to I, I didn't have any help right so I was constantly for years under the impression that if I screwed up I was gonna get fired mainly because of the pressure that I was receiving from my my coworkers, but yet also my boss wasn't hitting the needs that I needed to be met that needed to be met for 